1: Hello, my name is Rebecca Chen and I'm a partner with Reddy and Newman and I'll be doing the conference call for today. Uh,
2: Leo, can you please first uh, start our first question? Yeah, yeah. hi uh, Rebecca Chen. Uh, first thing is um, I applied for EB3 and I applied in EB2 as well for refiling. I received uh, at EAD and AP of EB3 one. Uh, is it good to go on uh, eb3 payroll or on h1 for to go to the country uh, home country uh,
1: did you say that you refiled a new i485 application in eb2
2: yes but i didn't you i didn't receive the ead and ap of them but i do it, receive the ead and ap of eb3 currently i right. am on h1 mm-hmm. um
1: so If you use the EAD AP card that was attached to your EB3, that kind of ties you to that separate I-485 application filed in the EB3 category. So you filed a separate I-485 in EB2, right? Not an interfile?
2: Not interfile, I refiled it. Okay,
1: yeah. Then in that case, um, if you need to travel, um, I mean, I, I assume you want to stay in EB2 since that is farther ahead and your party date is more likely to be current in EB-2. So I wouldn't recommend using the advanced parole until you receive the most recent one that was filed with your EB-2. If you need to travel before you receive the second EAD AP card, um, I would recommend doing so in H-1B and getting the visa stamp that you need to. Uh,
2: due to the stamping dates not available. so. I, yeah is it
1: fine if I come back after coming back interfiling the e, EB3? That is another option, yes. Um, but uh yeah, so if you come back using the advanced parole um and then try to interfile your EB3 to EB2, you can try doing that also. Um it may end up kind of holding up your green card process because depending on your EB2 and how far along it's gotten, you know, we don't, the inter process is still rather new. We're just now starting to get some receipt notices from February. So it could hold up your green card process, but that is also an option if you decide to travel and use the advanced parole when you come back. Okay, okay. Uh, next question. Ravi?
3: Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, my question is uh, just a, a brief background. Try date is December 2011. I downgraded like everybody in, to EB3 in uh, the, uh, uh, October 2020. My 140 approved after several trials in September 2021. Then uh, I, I received EAD and AP uh, obviously in EB3 in December 2021. And I received 485 RFE. Uh, in January 2022. It's, it's processing at Nebraska. And the RFU is very generic. It's requesting date of birth, 94, visa stamps, pretty much everything that is submitted. And they asked me to resubmit again. And it's been more than five months and no RFU response yet. So after every 60 days, I'm raising service requests and it's very generic response. So is it a good idea to interfile? Because my date is current in EB3. I'm not sure if I'm eligible to interfile.
1: You're eligible to, but um, I don't know how much help it would be since you're current in both categories right now, right? You said your party yeah. date is 2011?
3: Yeah, December 2011, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, interfiling is really more for a situation where you're not current in EB3, but you are in EB2. In your yeah. situation, you're already current in EB3. And with an RFE being issued on the I-485, usually that means that they are kind of in the last stages of processing the I-485. And um, you said that the the EB three I one forty has been approved, and I assume you've yes. submitted your medicals already. Yes,
3: uh, I interfiled my medical separately.
1: Okay.
3: Uh, before I received the RFE.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, the RFE is usually a signal that they're toward the end of the processing, and it's been about five months. But they may also be uh, earlier this year. Was around the time they started the policy of transferring all I-485s from Nebraska and Texas to the National Benefits Center. So that may be, um, it may be in that process of getting transferred to the National Benefits Center. Um, It's really hard to say because USCIS internal processing where they're moving files and how long they might take. I mean, really, there's nothing preventing your EB3 I-45 right now from being approved any day now. It sounds like everything that needs to have been done has been done. Okay. Um, I don't necessarily think interfiling would help Benefit. Okay. It may even potentially hold it up a bit if they, you know, receive sure. an update that they received something at the National Forum Center or Western Forum Center for your case, and then they pause that to update the file with that.
3: Okay. Then I'll continue the waiting game. Then okay, thank you.
1: Cool. Next
0: mm-hmm. question. Me?
4: Yeah, <clears throat> thank you for your service. So I downloaded to EB three in twenty twenty October. I have the you know EAD and ap but I'm still maintaining the non immigrant status. Okay. And I want to refile in EB two. Now I have a question. These days, you know, lots of cases. We can hear that the. Uh, the applications of the dependents gets detached from the main applicant in this scenario if the GC is processed for the main applicant what happens to the dependents if they are in non-immigrant status
1: and they're under 21 right they haven't yes, yes yes Yes. Okay. if they were filed all what's supposed to happen is that once the principal applicant's I-485 gets approved, the whole family should be approved at the same time. And I would say that is still happening um, probably at least half the time. We're seeing the whole family getting approved together when the principal applicants is getting approved. But more and more there are situations where for some reason the spouses doesn't get approved at the same time or one child doesn't get approved at the same time. Um, in our observation, it does eventually get approved if there isn't any issue with that particular um, family member, like no criminal history or anything like that. Usually within, for some reason, it still takes a number of months, um, sometimes like four to six months for the entire families to eventually get approved, but it does.
4: Do they go out of status in that case? So Is they, it a legal problem? Has,
1: yeah. If the principal applicant was in h one b status and the rest of the family was in h4 then if the principal applicant's green card gets approved the rest of the family is no longer in h4 status because that was dependent on the h one b which no longer exists they are still authorized to be in the u.s based on their pending i-485 application so they are considered an adjustment of status applicant which isn't really a visa status but it is it authorizes them to be in the u.s they're not you know, here illegally or anything like that. They're no longer in H4 status. So if your wife had an H4 EAD, she would no longer be able to use that. That is um, one thing that would be invalidated if you got your green card, but your wife did not. Um, but they're authorized to be here based on the pending I-485 and they can work if they have the EAD from the I-485 application and they can travel using the advanced parole if they've received that also.
4: Yeah, in case if if I get you know EB two EAD, I suppose so, and they don't have the EAD at that moment, right? Because I didn't get the EAD of EB two, can they switch to EB three EAD at that moment because they have the EB three EAD and?
1: Um, but you interfiled, right? You said
4: you interfiled from EB three to EB two. I did interfile, so I will refile in EB two. I have the EB three EAD and advanced peril, but I, my priority date is, you know, uh, October two thousand fourteen. So I'm thinking of refiling in next month, or you know, so if the date advances.
1: Okay, um, I mean, if you have already received your green card in the EB two category, they would not be able to use an EAD from the EB three application unless they unless you interfiled before you got your approval.
4: Okay, but they they can legally stay here, right?
1: Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you so much. Sure. Next question. Dibasis, can you please unmute yourself?
5: Yeah, hello, please mm-hmm. Hello.
1: Yes, I can hear you.
5: Yeah, 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 hi, good morning. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, like um, I have got uh, H1B in 2015, uh, November, uh yeah november 11th but i never used that and i never traveled with uh, h1b to us so and but r- right now i'm in uh, europe since uh, four, four and a half years uh so my question is uh, can i uh, like i'm getting an employer now and um, is it possible to s- uh, reuse the same h1b um
1: so you said you never were in the us in the h1b status and you never got the h1b visa stamping from the consulate
5: uh, no, I got it stamped, but I never traveled okay. with the, uh, because I got it for only one year and I okay. never traveled with that uh, visa.
1: Okay. But you do have the H-1B visa stamp in your passport from a consulate. Yes. But you just never used it. Okay. Okay. Good news is you are considered counted in the cap. You don't need to go through the lottery again if you at least got the H-1B visa stamp, even if you never were inside the U.S. in H-1B status. Um, So if you have a job offer now uh, from a company that's willing to file your H-1B, they can file it for you. They can file it outside the lottery. They would need to attach a copy of your I-797 approval notice from 2015 and a copy of your visa stamp to show that you've been counted in the cap. Um, And then after it's approved, you would then need to take that approval notice to the consulate, get a new visa stamp with a new employer before you can come in. But yes, they could do that. Uh,
5: But I heard that is um, valid for seven years only, like uh, when once the uh, visa gets stamped, I mean to say uh, the H-1B gets approved, uh, then it is valid only for six years or seven seven years something.
1: So there's a six-year limit on the amount of H-1B time that you can use while you're in the U.S., but you said you've never been in the U.S. in H-1B status, is that right? Mm -hmm.
5: Yes, yes, yes. I, I never okay. uh, traveled in h one B. Yes, yeah, but okay. I traveled in B-1 many times, yeah, but
1: I never traveled. In, in H1. E-1?
5: No, B-1, the business business.
1: B1. Oh, that's fine. Um, yeah, so the six-year limit is the amount of time, that's the limit on the amount of time in the U.S. that you can spend in H-1B status, but you haven't used any of that time yet. It's fine if the initial H-1B was from more than six years ago, that's fine. As long okay. as you got the visa stamp. So yeah, your employer should be able to file for you now.
5: Uh, okay. And full so
1: like, three years.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one more question is like, um, uh, see, I was a, I'm an Indian citizen, but I'm about to get a uh, Swedish citizen now. So is there any like a uh, benefit? Um, like I did not go through the lottery if I reapply again, because my wife You don't is, have to go
1: through the lottery anyway, because you've already been counted.
5: in the cap. Uh, uh, No, it's not for me. It's for my wife. So okay. she's going to get the, the Swedish citizenship now. So okay. once she gets the citizenship, uh, still do we need to go through the H-1B? Yeah,
1: the H-1B uh, lottery lotteries. is for anyone, regardless of citizenship or country for. Oh, okay, okay, sure. Next
5: question, Rich. Hey, hi. Uh, thanks for giving me this opportunity. Uh, my question is, uh, I have my H-1B, which is about to get max out. Uh, August 7th is the calculated date. I'll be like completing my six years and Mm -hmm. I have got my I-140 approved just a few days back. So now I am in the process of filing an extension, right? uh, With USCIS. So question is like, you know, employer is kind of, uh, he's ready, I mean, they are ready to file it in premium, but what is advisable? I mean, whether to go for a premium or uh, can we go for a normal extension? Because I'm getting a mixed kind of a responses so, you know, everywhere.
1: Either way is really fine, actually. Okay. Um, as technically, the main requirement for the extension to be considered filed on time is as long as it is filed before your current I-94 expires. Mm-hmm. So it can be ending after your current status expires as long as it was filed on time. That's the only real requirement. From there, um, it's a matter of kind of Preference. I would say most people sort of prefer to get the extension approved before their current I-94 expires, expires just yeah. in case, worst case scenario if it's denied for some reason. I would say most extensions now don't really get denied ever since kind of the new administration, they reinstated mm-hmm. the deference policy where if you were working in the same position essentially with the same employer, it's a, just straightforward extension. For the most part, we don't really see RFEs or anything like that anymore. So I would say the likelihood of it getting denied are pretty low, but if you want to be really safe and try to get the extension approved before August, before your current one expires, that's always safest so that you have time to refile if absolutely necessary. Um, So if they're working on the extension application right now, and getting ready to file it. I would say in regular processing, there is still some possibility it can get approved by August. Actually, we've seen some extensions being approved within two, three months, sometimes Mm -hmm. even two months. So there might be enough time for it to get approved, but it's definitely not guaranteed. Um, If you want to guarantee an approval before your current one expires, I would recommend premium processing.
5: Okay, sounds good. Thank you, I appreciate it. Next question, ahmed Hi, uh, thank you uh,
3: for providing this service, okay. Rebecca. Uh, my question is like, uh, my priority date is October 30th, 2015 in EB2. Okay. Um, my wife is traveling uh, in, the, in this year, September, uh, because she didn't went to India since the last five years. And she got her visa on uh, September 8th as a Dropbox. So we were quite confused that uh, do we need to travel, uh, you know, at this time? Because if, if in the new fiscal year the the date gets current, you know, um, so it's quite a confusion for us.
1: Um. Yeah. Definitely. If the, I mean, we don't know for sure what the priority dates will do in October or what the visa bulletin do will, will do in October. If there is forward movement, we don't know by how much. Um, if It is a situation where your priority date does become current in October. We would usually find out by mid-September because the government always publishes their visa bulletin for the next month kind of in the middle of the previous month. So uh if the requirement for filing the adjustment of status if your priority date is current is that you do have to be physically in the U.S. but um So if there's a situation where your party date does become current, and we find out by like mid-September, as long as your wife is able to travel back to the U.S. um, before the end of October, then you would still theoretically be able to file the I-485 applications um, in that month. Depending on her travel dates, if she's not coming back until closer to the end of October, you might need to do a lot of the form preparation while she's outside the U.S. and just Add her signatures, photos at the very end when she's here. But um, yeah, it's still possible if she can get back in time.
3: Okay, thank you. Thank you
6: so much. Sure. Um, hi, Rebecca. Um, good afternoon. Okay. Thank you for the service. Um, yeah, can you hear me? Hi, Rebecca. Yes yeah, I can, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So uh, actually I'm on H1B um, status and uh, I'm applying a current extension so i've i've just used first 3 years of my h1b and i'm up to uh, i'm about to apply extension uh, mm-hmm. so my h1b is expiring in august and my employer is filing extension now uh, but my wife is on f1 visa and um, she she is about to complete her masters um in this summer semester by july 31st okay mm-hmm. and and she's trying to uh, apply OPT um, from August. Okay. The 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 question we have here was um, since she's on a F1 visa and uh, actually my wife is a pregnant now and we are expecting a baby sometime in uh, October, October fifteenth or something. So if if she starts her OPT from August, um, technically she can't she can't able to work, right, at least for next three to four months, so is it okay for her to be in status, or what, what kind of suggestion do you give here?
0: Yeah,
1: so for when you're in OPT, um, there is a limit on the amount of unemployment time that you can have, mm-hmm. so maximum in the first year of OPT uh, status, you can have up to 90 days of unemployment, mm-hmm. and then during if she's eligible for the STEM uh, extension in the total three-year period, you can have a maximum of 120 days of unemployment time. So Mm -hmm. um, if she's just now graduating this summer, then yeah, this will just be the first year of OPT. So at most there can be 90 days of unemployment. Um, So it'll be kind of up to her, how much time that she wants to use. I would say it's also, Kind of uh if she can get a job offer and start on OPT in you know July or August when mm-hmm. you know her EAD is first approved and then she mm-hmm. goes on maternity leave um mm-hmm. there is an argument to be made and it's not quite clear exactly what the guidance is in this area but I would say there's definitely an argument to be made that um maternity leave should not be counted as OPT unemployment if it is granted by the employer. For example, if it's not a situation where she lost her job, but mm-hmm. she is still employed by the company, she's still kind of on the payroll, but they're you know, mm-hmm. giving her maternity leave according to their company policies that they have for all their employees for family leave. Um, mm-hmm. If that's the case, then I would say anytime she takes off could arguably still be counted as employment. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, we haven't really, um, it's not quite clear how UCI would view that. Um, So that I would say, even if she's in that situation, probably the safest route to go would be to still limit the maternity leave to 90 days Mm -hmm. and then um, if she is working part-time after that, you know, there's no requirement that the first year of OPT has to be full-time. It could be part-time mm-hmm. um, or something like that. But I would just to be safe, I would still try to limit the amount of um, not active work time to 90 days to be safe.
6: Okay, so so here's the thing. Um, Uh, Her university is offering the maximum. So when when we apply for OPT, right, uh, the university is uh, giving an option of uh, putting the start date. So she can put the start date, the the maximum start date she can give to September 26th. So even though she is graduating in July 31st, uh, she can put the OPT start date after the maximum of September 26th. So she'll get two months, additional two months, right? where she can be still in the status and she cannot start, her OPT will start in September 26th.
1: Yeah, that's fine. I mean, her OPT will start from when the, the date on the EAD card um, mm-hmm. and the date on the I-20s. Um, mm-hmm. But then from September 2022 to September 2023, um, she still only has 90 days within that one year to be unemployed, basically. And um, definitely, I would say you wouldn't be able to use the maternity leave argument if she never starts with a company before, um, you know, going on before the child arrives. If she doesn't start working in September and continues to not work, um, then all of that time will be considered unemployment time for OPT purposes. The only time I would say you can try to make the maternity leave as employment argument would be if she is already employed with a company and they have granted her maternity leave like she's still on their payroll okay. um, next question yes Rebecca oh I was just saying uh, next question if there is one
2: hello yes oh. hi. Uh, hi Rebecca uh so my question is so my um uh, so my I-140 got approved in February and I had applied for my husband's uh, H4 EAD the first time after I got my I-140 uh, by by March. Uh, but uh, my husband uh, found a job and his employer wanted him to start uh, sooner uh, than the H4 EAD could come. So he, uh, he, uh, he changed his status from H4 to H1. Uh, now his H1 got approved. So what happens to the H-4 EAD uh, application that is ongoing? Because uh, he would still like to go back to the uh, H-4 EAD. Yeah. Um,
1: My understanding is that the I-765 might, so it was just a standalone I-765 that was filed, right? It wasn't filed along with an H-4 application.
2: No, because he was already on H4. Uh and then when my I-140 got approved, we applied for the H4 EAD first. I
1: 765 on its own. Okay. Um yeah, I am not sure if USCIS in their records, if they would, you know, when they by the time they get to his I-765, I don't know that whoever is reviewing his file would be aware necessarily that he has since changed to H1B status. If they are aware that he has since changed H-1B status, then the I-765 application will probably be denied. Um, But it wouldn't surprise me, actually, if the I-765 still gets approved, just because the officer, whoever's reviewing it in their system, they weren't updated that, you know, he changed status to H-1B. Because when you file an H-1B application, that goes to a completely different service center, most likely. It's like a different unit that processes H-1Bs and they don't always communicate with each other to update um, other pending applications that they might have. Um, So there's a good chance that the I-765 could still be approved while he's in H-1B status. Even if he receives the EAD card, while he's in H-1B status, he is not eligible to use that EAD. But if he is able to get back into H-4 status, I would say he should be able to use the EAD at that point. So getting back into H-4 status, the quickest way would probably be to travel and come back into the US. If he still has a valid H-4 visa stamp, then he could just go to Mexico or Canada and come back in with the H-4 visa stamp in your H-1B approval notice. That would put him back in H-1B status. I'm sorry, H4 status. And then he could use the EAD once he's back in. Yeah, his visa is not valid yet. So. uh, Okay. Um, Was his most recent H4 status um, granted to him based on an I-539 application that was approved? Yes. So he had had
2: status status from H1 to H4 because of uh, Mm -hmm. pandemic time. So uh, he went on H4 and uh, and now again, his job wanted him to start immediately on H1. That's why he did the premium processing H1 and it got approved. Uh, but he would still like to go back to the h 4 e because of the flexibility with the job yeah. option.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely more flexible. Um, if he has, so he should have an I-797 approval notice for H4 status with the I-94 card attached at the bottom, right? Yes. Okay. Um, do you know when it expires?
2: Uh, in uh, in 2024
1: so okay yeah then um even if his h even if his visa stamp is expired then he also has the option of using automatic revalidation to get back into h4 status through travel okay this is also only available if he travels directly from the u.s to canada or mexico for a period of 30 days or less um, if he comes back with his expired visa stamp, um, the I-797 approval notice for his H-4, um, which is still valid at the time, so he has to do this before 2024, the one with the I-94 card at the bottom, if he has that original I-797 H-4 approval notice, plus the expired visa stamp, plus your H-1B approval notice and marriage certificate, they should grant him when he comes back in H-4 I-94. Um, so that would also be a way for him to quickly get back into H-4 status through travel, and be able to use the EAD once he's back in the U.S.
2: Okay, so that's provided the H-4 EAD is approved now, while the app.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I assume it should be approved at least before 2024 um, if it was filed in March. I would say USCIS does seem to be trying to keep it down to six months. At most for the H4 EADs so um and they do seem to be in around that um time frame now which is still too long but it's better than I guess the 10 to 12 months that it used to take um, yeah so potentially like this fall if the EAD gets approved if he um takes a trip to Mexico or Canada to come back in in H4 status, then he should be able to start using the EAD once he is back in.
2: Okay, so we don't have to file any change of status again to H4, like
1: the- You can, that's H4. another way to change the status, but it will also take a long time because- Okay, of the, to so the Spotify best way. Um, Okay, thank yeah, you. So. Sure. Okay, um, I think we're gonna have to end the conference here for today. Um, the next one will be tomorrow at, p.m. Central Time, and we are also um, doing the Facebook Live and YouTube Live session this afternoon at 5 p.m. Central Time. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites